Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Yep, it's now season three of Bald, Bold, and Gold. At this point, you probably know who we are, and you probably know what this episode's about. It's our season preview. We go through the offseason, the introduction to the Freeman era. We preview this year's Notre Dame team, our expectations for what should be, at the very least, an interesting year. And then go ahead and take a look at this weekend's top five matchup in Columbus. All right, hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Freeman era. I'm very happy to be here. I think of our at least since we've recorded this podcast at least by far the most interesting off it off season maybe not the most like exciting in terms of like being pumped up for the year i kind of disagree i think it still is but i mean we entered a new era of notre dame football the first one we've really known since we were what eighth graders before that i think like sixth or seventh some sometime in middle school but yeah an era that we did not foresee having to enter um, but one I think ultimately we're glad we did. Yeah, I don't think we've seen this kind of staff turnover since after our freshman year at school. So after that 2016 season when it was Kelly or the staff, and that worked out, but we'll, uh, we'll see. It's very, I'm, I'm really excited about the staff. And we can go through some of the changes and stuff, but it's, I'm, I'm really excited to get to Saturday at this point. Yeah, I mean, it feels like this game has been – in the back of my, our minds almost for three years now. I know we've probably brought it up on the podcast like three or four times. We didn't know who would be on the roster or any of that. Probably thought Brian Kelly would be coaching, thinking he was the same old Brian Kelly, can't win big games. But, you know, at the same time, last year when he left, we were all shocked and like kind of pissed off because mm-hmm. we had entered an era where there was stability, 10 games every year for the last five years. Now that's gone. and there has never been more energy around the Notre Dame football program than there is right now. I think that all of that has to do towards us keeping the right people in place. Like there would be a a sense of panic if we didn't act swiftly and then we have all the right people that we think in place and they got after it on the recruiting trail. And we think even heading into this game that whatever happens on Saturday, there is so much to look forward to into the future on a positive note. And LSU was losing guys left and right, which also added to the positivity. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like, Ian, I think the thing you said most important is you kept some key pieces, right? As much staff turnover as there, as there was. Like, who are the two guys that – or the few guys that you absolutely had to keep? And, like, Tommy. Bayless and Tommy had to be right there. Obviously, you kept Freeman with a promotion. Um but it had to be Bayless and it had to be Tommy. And to speak to that even further, like, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, uh, Sean Kyron Williams, and he credited Tommy Reese and off, his offense in prepping Kyron Williams to be in the NFL and just singing Tommy's praises and Kyron's praises, which was just, like, so awesome to see. Um, you know, that, that's a nice little piece outside of this game week prep. Yeah, no – to build up that slab, that is definitely something that I wanted to touch on that. That is unreal praise for 
an alumni of our program and then someone who's still on our program and praise from our, our current staff from the reigning Super Bowl champion winning coach. That is fantastic. Also, shout out Irish in the NFL. Julian Love was just named captain of the New York Giants. So some great things happening for our Irish. Hell yeah, alum. he was. Hell yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, just kind of to wrap this up, we kept the people around the program who get what Notre Dame is, what it means to the players in the locker room, what it means to the fans. I mean, that was the most important thing Jack Swarbrick had to do. He did it. And yeah, we could go on for hours about the qualities of Notre Dame and how Marcus Freeman exemplifies it. But, you know, the question remains to be seen, you know, is he a good football coach? He had great defenses at Cincinnati. I'd say last year our defense was solid, not great. And he's also 0-1. So, I don't know. But the one thing is, I, I think the roster that we have coming back is very good. It's a very good roster, and it is a roster that Marcus Freeman can succeed with, but he has his work cut out for him. It's not like oh, he's, that, he's not taking over a chance. There are points on the roster where there are questions that need to be answered, and it's on him and his staff to answer those questions. Giant questions. Yeah. Do you want to talk about – do you want to briefly touch on the other major part of the offseason and how he's addressing those those holes and those gaps with the recruiting because I think like on top of the, the top of the co coaching change, the biggest other piece of the options that we have to go get in touch on is how well we've been recruiting, right? Like we now have the, I think with, if we land this running back, uh, we'll, I forget what his name is. We land this running back though. They, Jeremiah now, Love. Jeremiah Love, don't love. We land Jeremiah Love that passes Brian Kelly's highest ever composite rating in Freeman's first year in the class of 2023. So, uh, you know, I think on top of a, a staff a staff overhaul, um, the recruiting trail has also been really, really fun outside of Keon Keeley. Yep. It, it, I mean, it's the same point. It's the excitement around the program that hasn't been there since maybe the 2012 season was magical. Glad we got to relive it a bit through the Manti doc. I didn't yeah. really fully realize just how magical it was till you look at it. 10 years later, be like, all right, that was magical. There hasn't been that energy, even in 2018, even in 2020, when we were going on our playoff runs, that there is now. Now, will that translate to 12-0 and playoff season? Maybe not. Our schedule is certainly harder than it was in either of those two playoff years. I mean, it remains to be seen. But, at, I mean, right now, Marcus Freeman is doing all the right things, you know, recruiting being number one. Certainly a nice change of pace. Um, all right. So – we're already through week zero, um, and that was that was a, a really nice, fun taste of, taste of college football. But I think you guys want to dive into the roster next so that we keep this thing moving. Can we yeah. quick touch or, on our thoughts yes. on conference realignment? Um, Ooh, yeah. Sure. Good call. Yeah, to get a little bit into the national landscape, um, obviously the major moves being USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Um, more moves coming. It's a consistently shifting landscape. TV deals have a huge role to play in it. Notre Dame's asking for the bag from NBC. Um, and I think how NBC responds will probably shape a lot of our decision-making going forward. But for, a couple questions for you guys. What are your thoughts about how this shapes the future of college football? And what are your thoughts about what Notre Dame should do in the near future and the long-term future? In terms of the future of college football, I think it's you – know, everyone keeps – going towards the two super conferences thing 
And yeah, you know, it will be the Big Ten and SEC probably for a couple of years. But I see, you know, eventually you know, a group of maybe 64 schools just splitting off from the NCAA. That's the biggest thing. They don't want to have to deal with the governance, all the regulations, you know. They might make rules where you can have as many scholarships as possible, and Alabama will have 124 and five stars on their team. Who knows? I think it'll be chaos, but you know, everyone's saying it's only going to make like the top five teams in college football good. Like, no shit. That's kind of what college football is and has been for the last 50 years. Like, there's always three, four teams that are at the top that are just that much better than everyone else, and that's not going to change. I mean, there's only going to be so many staffs in the country that can pull together those kind of rosters you know hopefully notre dame will be one of them when you look at you know what notre dame's next move is sure i mean i think if they join the conference it has to be the big 10. all your historical rivals are there swarbrick has you know talked many times about how we want to be a national university well guess what you'll play rutgers in new york that game's never going to be at rutgers it will always be at the meadowlands if swarbrick has his way then you'll go to la You'll play USC. Chances are we keep Stanford on the schedule or bring them into the Big Ten. You know, we'll be playing across the country. That's not going to be a worry for him. And then, you know, you get paid 50 more million dollars than what Notre Dame's making now. Then there's the other side of the coin where we just remain independent, still play all these same schools, have some more exciting mashups than Rutgers and Maryland, and still get paid $40 million more than what we're making now. And I think that's a trade-off Notre Dame might be willing to take. Honestly, like I've seen how savvy Jack has been throughout this whole process. And as long as he's at Notre Dame at the head, you know, as long the only thing I'd really be worried about is him taking a like conference commissioner job. Only one I would see is the Big Ten. I don't see him as an SEC guy or like NFL, like maybe deputy commissioner, commissioner, something like that. That's the only way I would see him leave. And I don't think that's happening as long as Warbrick's at the helm. He's the most powerful singular AD in college football. And, you know, as long as he's at the helm, I think Notre Dame will be in a good spot. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. He's given us n- no reason to not trust him. Um, he's made a ton of good decisions along the way. Um, and I- I'm with you. I do think he'll make the right decision, not only for the university, but for the program. Um we are in a unique situation where we can wait and no other program has a whole conference waiting on their decision. Mm-hmm. Other programs are clamoring to be a part of these major conferences. Like there are people on the outskirts. I'll say it because they beat us. Oklahoma state, like they are right on the cusp of getting cut out and we are not in that position. So I'm not in the fear of getting left behind initially, but he just has to stay with it. Um, and make sure that we are not flying too close to the sun in terms of, we want $75 million from NBC and a crazy number from the conference. Yeah, I think from – I think to, to, to the question, two parts. The first one, the conference, the conference realignment itself and the playoff and how that's going to change in the future. You, you made an interesting point where, like, for the last 50 years, like, it's been pretty much the same teams rising to the top. Um, and I think even more so as, as of late, it's been the same rotating group of four or five schools who make it to the top – uh, to make it to the top and to make it to the playoffs uh, with the with the gastron invitation um, to somebody else who, who crashes the party uh, every once in a while. Uh, I think the only way that piece changes that the only way that you kind of break up that concentration of of talent is if you can find a way to to 
uh, spread out the five stars and spread out the four stars, spread out the blue chips, um, which I just don't, I, I, and I don't think that matters whether you're in two super conferences, whether you go back to the power five, whether you go to one mega conference, like I don't think that necessarily changes things. Um, I think the main concern there, like if you really want this to be more competitive and whatnot, you're going to have to find a way to break up the conglomerate of five stars that attend Alabama and Georgia and Clemson um, and Ohio state and Oklahoma. And, and hopefully we get in the mix there too. Right. Like um, that, I think that's the only way that you really see something that's looks a lot different than, than this. That's, that's when you'll get to see the Kansas, the Kansas's rise and the Kansas state's rise mm-hmm. and, and the Baylor get back. Right. Like that 2007 season where everything was nuts. Was, I think it was probably because talent was spread out in a lot of places. Um, Saban's first year, right? Saban's first year, he lost to Louisiana <laughs> Monroe in 2007. We weren't very good either, but um, yeah. and then for, from our, from our perspective, I think I agree with you guys completely. I trust Jack Swarbrick with my whole entire heart, um, and I think that we get a really good. Um, so he's got a really good support around him from the board and from the powers of the university uh, that kind of put faith in him to make to put us in the right place. Uh, I think my only I would like to stay independent if I had the choice. My only thing is I think at, at some point. Uh, at some point, raising money, raising capital, and, and, and getting donations will have to come into play. Like we're willing to pay the independence tax, but how much are we willing to pay that independence tax? You know, what's 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 the number where it's like it's just too big? We need to take you no, know, we need to take that money. I will say, I think the Big Ten put an unbelievably. I think they actually catered this pitch to Notre Dame. Um, I think they took UCLA and USC as like the final piece to their puzzle to say, hey, this is this is our complete picture. We need, you know, this is why you guys should be with us, and this is why we want you. Adding those two pieces to have the West Coast, the West Coast eyes, and then the East Coast eyes, um, and then keep the traditional rivals like Michigan and whatnot, Michigan State. Um, I think I thought the Big Ten put together a really, really nice offer to Notre Dame. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And I agree, it, it's nice to have the power right now, um, where you get a conference waiting on you for for its future. But uh, like you guys said, I, I kind of trust Jack to play this slowly um, and to see how it develops and, and maybe wait for a, a few other people to make moves before we make our next big one. Yeah. The Anything other, else you guys want to, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, the other, I'm just, the other off season moves speaking of TV deals is we got a couple new voices at the helm for oh. NBC. Come on, let's be positive. None of us listen to NBC broadcasts anymore anyways. Yeah. Um, but that is the last change. Um, so having to touch on that, you're right. Like the, the argument always for us being independent is we want a national brand and the big 10 got as coast to coast as it could possibly get from Piscataway to LA. So, um, that, yeah, that pitch is pretty right for Notre Dame, but that's, that's yeah. all I have to say on it. Yeah. We don't watch the NBC broadcast, but I do watch the extended highlights four separate times over the course of the week. <laughs> so I, I, I record the game and watch it Sunday. I rewatch it on <laughs> yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Um, did, really briefly, before we move to the roster, did you guys see Jack Collinsworth video? Yeah, it was kind of tough at the end. Just he's just awkward. I think he's got a I good voice. I'll he send it to you. Instagram but... today. Yeah. He's just like, I'm so excited to be here. I love another Dame. I think it's great we have another Dame guy in the booth. By the way, oh yeah, that's something we've sure. we've been yeah. begging for for a long time. It's just like you know, you go from Mike Tirico, who might be the best, second best announcer in all of football. He's got to be top three right now. Yeah, it's like him, Jim Nance, like Al Michaels is like retiring. So it's, you know, I I don't really love the Fox crew as much in the NFL. So, you know, Tariqo's top two, Mm -hmm. maybe not two. 
They had a bunch of, you know, <laughs> Jack's green. I think he'll be fine. There'll be some growing pains. There'll probably be some awkward moments. Jason Garrett just doesn't – he's not an exciting guy. I wasn't pumped about that Colorado. Yeah. And I was a little underwhelmed. You know, 17 was a little underwhelmed by Jack's Here Come the Irish. That's that's my okay. – Okay. That's – that's my only critique, but we're not going to, we're not going to, that's 60% on that, right? of the job. That is 60% of the job. You need to get us excited when the gold hats come out. So he'll have, to, he'll have to work it. on that. I think we were, like, like D was saying, we were spoiled though. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We should, right. we should probably should have had three. Go. All right. Let's talk football. Right. Let's Notre talk Dame roster. 2022. Just real quick, top of my head. Yeah, I know in the past we've probably bored all of our listeners by breaking down every single player on the roster probably by going through the position groups. Um, we're not going to do that this year. Just really quick off the top of my head, what I see is pluses, minuses, question marks, pluses, the trenches. Mm-hmm. The trenches. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's bar none. That's what Notre Dame's recruited the best over the last four years. It's been our identity as a program. Yeah. Um, I think our top guys in the trenches are great, and maybe our second guys are great. Um, it gets a little unproven after that, is what I'll say. And I'll point out, um, like our fourth D end, Nana, who's on there right now. Um, once you get past the top three guys of Adam Alola, Foskey, and Mills, um, you know, we don't really know what we're gonna get, so uh, as elite as we are at that top line we uh kind of have to hope for health there or some fast development so so how i would respond to that really quickly is like you know i'm not taking the depth chart you know straight up in that you know i i I do agree those are our top three guys then there's a drop off but i believe al golden al washington they're going to move these guys around like those top three are going to be on the field a lot you'll see both of demololas riley mills you'll see jordan Mm -hmm. botello drop down to the dn position i know he wasn't listed i think it's because he's technically a linebacker he'll drop down i want to see him murder someone on third down i think you could see marist possibly playing that position coming off the edge uh, so i'm not necessarily as worried but i agree if there's injuries especially at those dn positions you know we're going to be playing a lot of guys who haven't seen a lot of snaps but the luxury is basically everyone who's coming back has played for years in their day in the uniform yeah i think my my big thing on the defensive line is i'm pretty pumped that i think we'll be able to go eight deep um, I know some of those guys are definitely more experienced than others, but like you have those top three, and I definitely think that you get the other Adam Alola twin, Batello, Lacey, Christmas, the Harvard transfer, Howard Cross. Like they're if nothing else, especially when you play teams like Ohio State and Clemson, who are gonna run a lot of, who are gonna run a lot of plays. I'm sure USC's gonna try to do it too. Like when these teams run a lot of plays on you, you get you need some depth guys. So even if they're not the most experienced, I do have a little trust in them. I thought that Lacey and Cross flashed a lot. It, it, it's like, I think the back to the Wisconsin game and, and different game, and different games throughout the season last year, but we've guys who who have definitely flashed. Um, so I would like to see those flashes come to a more consistent fruition. But uh, I agree, it, it, our depth definitely lies, or, or our strength in the team definitely lies on, on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Did you guys see how big Gabby Rubio is listed on this list? He's huge, dude. What? That's the big five. Six five two ninety five. That's how you plug gaps. That's a three tech. I don't even think he's playing nose. Oh my yeah, god! You, yeah, he's a big boy. I will say on the offenses, on the offenses, offensive line side, um, something that everybody should kind of have on their radar this week uh, for those who haven't been paying as close attention. 
Jared, Pat- Jared Patterson dealing with a foot injury. Um, he's also moved from center to guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be something to keep an eye on Friday into Saturday. He's moved from a cast to a walking boot. Um, it looks like from left to right, if I read this correctly, left to right, we'll probably go. The starters will be all Patterson, Correll, Lug, Fisher. If it's not Patterson, I'd imagine it'll be Christophic. Um, okay. That will fill in. We're all pretty confident he'll play, though, right? I think, I think he's at least going to try. I think, I think he's, he's at least going to try. Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe you flipped over to the uh, O line without mentioning that Isaiah Foskey coming back and has a very damn good shot at leaving Notre Dame as the all time leader in sacks. Seriously, he's gonna he's gonna get I mean, really first, he's gonna get really damn close. We we shouldn't glance over the fact that we have first team All American coming off the edge, and then you know in the trenches we had two. Well, I, I say two. Joe Alt was a freshman All American at tackle. Blake Fisher was like better than Joe Alt. Yeah. So everyone's saying I saw some Ohio State message board stuff. Not to jump ahead, but they're like. Oh, uh, like our so- they have two sophomore DNs. It's Zach Harrison and JT. He's got a Polynesian Tui Malawolo, something of yeah, that sort. You know that. But they're they're both sophomores and they're just like, oh, those guys should dominate their sophomore tag. It's like, no, no, no. Like your guy, your sophomores haven't shown anything. Blake Fisher was the best offensive lineman on the team last year. Joe Alt was an all American. Your guys weren't. I like all our sophomores better. I mean, they're two guys. There's probably you know, maybe one other guy in their recruiting class, at least at the O line, that's going to go three and out in the draft. I think that's just, you know, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the importance of of having Alton Fisher can be understated. Like that is to me, that's the most like personally, that's the most exciting part of this football team for me is hopefully both these guys not going to stay healthy, um, and having those anchors on both sides give giving Buckner some time off the edge um, and hopefully, see, you know, I guess it depends what the, what the, what the run scheme looks like, but it would be nice to spring Tyree to the outside, right? Like, let, let him get to the C guy yeah. and get outside. If we can get a seal with the help with some help from the tight end, like having those tackles, man, I, I cannot stress enough how important that is and how exciting that should be for Notre Dame fans. Um, a little worried inside just from a health standpoint and, and, Again, Carell's been a little inconsistent, as so has Lug. But I think we're still deep there too. And I personally trust Christophic a lot. I think he's a he's a great sixth person to have in rotation. I think he playing. He's played a lot. He's played a lot. This yeah. is a good person to have coming off the bench. All right. Anything more we want to say on the trenches? Because I'm about to ask, what do you think the biggest question mark on this team going forward is? I got nothing else. Um, and I yeah, think good. I have a hot take on our question mark. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All right, you can't list Tyler Buckner at quarterback. That's like yeah, the no. very obvious I, one. The running backs are my biggest question mark. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we have not seen Chris Tyree kind of be an every down back yet. Yeah, I agree, um, I agree with that. He's he is small. Um, he's a he's a incredibly fast and athletic. Um, Logan Diggs is injured, and estimated is a human bowling ball that we actually really haven't seen around the rock. So I like the depth is not there. If there's any injuries, additional injuries there, we are in a lot of trouble. Who's the freshman that tore his Achilles? Jadarian Price. Darian Price. Yeah, he's out. He's out of the question. Um, so 
I think it's a little bit of a hot take of what my question mark is, but there there's not a lot of leeway there. And like Logan Davis is a great player, but he got hurt. We have never seen Estime get significant carries. Yeah, I, Ian, I, I think you have a good point there. Uh, I think that the idea was to be was to have Diggs be your every down back. It's really unfortunate that I don't. I just don't see Chris Tyree being every down back for this team. I just don't see like if we're gonna run in between the tackles. I just I don't I don't know if it's if it's in his bag. Uh, Diggs was supposed to be that guy for you, and and, and Audric was supposed to be that third down back. But given Diggs's injury. Um, I will say it sounded like Audric had like an unbelievably good camp. Like he played, mm-hmm. he played really, really well, and that's really encouraging. But we got to see what happens when the rubber meets the road, right? Like, you know, we'll we'll see what happens on Saturday. If you want my honest opinion, if I had to guess, I think Audric probably gets the lion's share of the carries from what I've heard from camp. That's uh, crazy. See, that's that's wild to me. It's, it is crazy, and that's and then you have you're very justified in saying that, that was that yeah. was your question mark because I, I think I think you're right. I wasn't thinking that way, but because I trust all three of those guys, I just don't know if I have a, if I trust the lead back yet. You guys are down on Chris Tyree. Now we're I not know down the, on him. We're not down on him, I, but he's just a specialty back in the, my eyes. The the biggest question in my eyes, obviously, it, it stems from the death problem. Like you need Diggs and SMA to take the majority of the carries. Chris Tyree's stats against the number nine defense in the country, by the way, which most of the year was led by Jim Knowles, who is now at Ohio State. Six receptions, 115 yards, and the touchdown out of the backfield. I yeah, would love I, to see us use as many two-back slot sets as possible, get Tyree in motion, run him across the field, because I agree with you. He's not an every-down back, but he yeah, can be an absolute weapon at this level. He could really fit. And, again, I'm not in camp. I don't know. Like we could see an offense that is entirely different from what we're used to seeing from Tommy Reese. He does seem pretty willing to adapt. And I think in my mind, in the perfect offense that I'm imagining with Buckner, Tyree is a very, very good compliment to that. Um, I think I, to your point there, like, I think we, I think we're going to see, which is what led them to have success last, you know, last year was a lot of 21 um, where you get two running backs and a tight end. Um, I think you may even see some twenty-two, right? Like, like if you treat Mayer as just close, 20, 20, 23, <laughs> 20, who's thirty-two? 20, who's our third guy based, there? David Sherwood. Yeah, the beef. 20, Twenty-three is basically the wing T, but uh, 20, twenty-one <laughs> and twenty-two personnel would be good. I will say, if we're going to talk twenty-one personnel, obviously we got Michael Mayer, but like, there's some good, really good young tight ends as well, like. This kid stays, his sauce stays. Uh, sounds like he can really play, and he's a huge body. He, he's a massive body. And Eli Raridan's basically a six foot six wide receiver. Like, yes. we, we have dudes at the tight end position. That's just what Notre Dame does. And that kind of, Ian, my question was very similar to yours. It was how are we going to use the somewhat limited offensive personnel we have on the outside? And I think, you know, you have to use the tight ends. You have to split the backs out, rotate. You know, you probably only realistically, I think all three backs will play. You have styles. Beyond that at receiver, it's kind of all question marks. You have yeah. Mayer, that's solid, all-American. Yeah. You know, you really have like four guys, four or five guys you can count on. And the question is, how does Tommy Reese keep them fresh, move them around the field, create matchup problems for opponents? 
because that you know there's not very many safety or there's basically no one that can guard michael mayer no. There's not many linebackers or safeties that can guard Chris Tyree in the slot. I'm hoping Lorenzo Styles steps up and has a big year. But if you keep those guys on the field all five like at the same time, it's just not going to work. You know, I I, I have a hot take to go along with that, D. Um, and how hot? Uh, <laughs> that that if we can if we can keep Mayer and Tyree and those matchup problems on the field, our receiving core may surprise people. Um, yep. It's it's obviously not very deep, um, and that's going to be a problem for the foreseeable future because we kind of just got left in shambles. But if you see a lot of bracket coverage on Mayer and a lot of bracket coverage on uh, Tyree, or you see like corners and safeties have a lineup against Tyree, you're going to get a lot of favorable one on ones on the outside with the receivers. Yes, Styles is the number one guy; he's the most reliable, I think. But like if it's a health it's a health thing, right? And and we know that they haven't been completely healthy in the past, but I think that Braden Lindsay and Joe Wilkins can change a game. If they can win their one on ones and stay on the field, they can change a game. It's just I don't know if we've seen a ton of that yet. Um, but like you said, like if Mayor's gonna draw us extra attention, Styles gonna draw us extra attention, Tyree's gonna draw us extra extra attention, somebody's gotta be open, right? Somebody's gonna be open, somebody needs to win a one on one. So if we get those guys winning one-on-ones, this may not get as ugly as you think on the outside, but we'll see. I think this still remains to be seen. I'm a little skeptical of my own opinion. Though, yeah, I, I really thought we'd be pretty active in the transfer market, the grad transfer market specifically. I'm yeah. choosing to be optimistic that our staff believes in our guys. Um, my most, most of my optimism comes from Trainsy. And it not being Dell Alexander leading that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually believe, and I think Tommy Reese has said, I think a couple of, I think, I think Reese has said it, maybe Al Golden said it, that Stucky is doing an incredible job developing these guys. And I'm going to buy into that fully because we've had athletes, but we just haven't had athletes that turn into what they should have. Um, and I'm hoping that that changes now that we got a new guy leading the room. Yeah, I agree. And everyone's worried about, Buckner, you know, not having options on the outside. But I mean, how many first year starters in college football have a returning all American that they can throw to? And much less a quarterback's best friend at tight end. You know? Yeah. And yeah, most times I, I, I think I think even against Ohio State, when we have the ball on offense, we will have the most talented player on the field. You know, is it is it an explosive player? Maybe not, but is it someone you can yeah. go to twelve Josh. times a game? Yeah. Oh, you're not talking Josh Lug? No, I'm not talking Josh oh. Lug, unfortunately. My bad, my bad. <laughs> See, and I like that one. Oh, I thought you heard <laughs> old, I thought you said oldest player on the team. On the oh, no. Yeah, 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 most talented. No, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Fair uh, enough, fair enough. But yeah. Uh, do you, I, you want to talk? QB, or do you want to move to defense, to the back seven? Uh, I mean, back seven, you know, there's questions there. You know, it's really – it's almost to the point where, you know, I don't necessarily – I'm taking game one with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, pass. you know, really hard I, I, I listened to part of my take today, and I think this is a good take on how you play a number one receiver. Jackson Smith and Jigba is – Heisman candidate at the receiver position. I think, you know, he's going to put up over 100 yards. 
but it's limiting those yards to not having two for eight or two 80 yard touchdowns. It's making him go 10 for 104. And the way you do that is, you know, you're bracketing him or you put Cam Hart, he's our best corner. You put him on Marvin Harrison. It also makes sense from just a size standpoint. Marvin Harrison's the bigger receiver. Then you bracket yeah, Tariq Bracey and yeah. Brandon Joseph over the top with Smith and Jigba, just so that hopefully he can't get by one guy, take it 85 yards. So are we are we talking Ohio State now? Because like I have a little bit of a take on Jackson Smith and Jigba. And this is let's how it's pause. been for okay. Let's, okay. Let's, let's pause come for back. Now. Let's pause for yeah. now. Let's finish. It's hard not to think in of what's yeah. happening. Yeah, you got you got yeah to <laughs> I, I think that this is not a terribly fair litmus test for what the secondary could be. Uh, yep. I think the secondary is going to get a lot better as the year goes on. And I do think that you got a difference maker on the outside in Cam Hart. Uh, like, I, I think that there are some guys who have not seen college snaps that I think could be really good. Uh, I want to touch on Ben Morrison. He's like, the, I think he's probably the biggest surprise in the two deep. He's a true freshman who made the two deep. will definitely be traveling to Ohio State. We'll definitely see the field. Um, if he's if him and Mickey are as good as, as as good we're led on to believe, we could be in better shape than we thought. If they've had the, if they have the same growing pains that we saw with DJ Brown and Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracy, we could be in trouble. So we'll see exactly where they fall on that scale. Um, I'd love for them to be everything they're cracked up to be, but they haven't played a whole lot of college ball yet. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And then the other piece we got to talk about, which we haven't talked a ton about right now, or I guess we kind of touch on with uh, partially defensive line, but uh, is that linebacking crew? Uh, yeah. If nothing else, old. Like <laughs> they <laughs> are old. Experienced, seen snaps. So um, I'm still <laughs> I, excited I mean, about that crew. I think that's where you lead. I think that's where I want to chunk your leadership from this football I'm not team. Too worried about the linebackers i think those yeah. guys that we have there for example that crew is built to absolutely punish navy yeah oh yeah they're gonna but, have a feel when, <laughs> when you're playing you know an air raid team like usc or ohio state maybe not um, you know that's why you know maybe it's too early but we, i think we all know bo bauer and jd bertrand aren't the best athletes out on the outside jack kaiser's good he's solid he's not great that's why i think we need to see you know maris step but he was the most hyped up guy in camp last year before he got hurt you know maris was so hyped up which is why i'm a little disappointed to see him i guess it's not it's an or situation probably and i'll go to get a lot of guys out there but i kind of yeah. wish that he i had heard more about him from camp this year it um, sounds like he's been injured too like Which, he's, I, it's tough to say he that he's fully healthy. It's not like yeah, it's kind of like he kept doing knocks that weren't a big deal. Yeah, uh, but I feel like when you're injured that much, every knock's a big deal. Um, yeah. I, I think this group will be good enough. I I think in order for Notre Dame to be elite and pick off three of the four big teams on their schedule, I, I kind of include BYU. In that I, I think they're a good enough team that we can include them in the top four. I think going four and out is a little optimistic, but if Notre Dame wants to pick off three of those four teams, we need a lot, uh, an All American type player at all three levels of the defense. 
You know, I think we have two of them. Mm-hmm. The two preseason All Americans, Isaiah Foskey, Brandon Joseph. And then if Marist steps up and becomes that player, I think he's really the only one with that potential. JD Bertrand's great, but you know, he's limited. Same with Bo Bauer. I think, you know, the guys like Prince Colley, Jalen Snade, obviously a little too young. So if Marist is able to step up, be that all American level player, our defense might be sick. And I trust Al Golden being a Cincinnati guy. Yeah. He took a bunch of, you know, fifth, seventh round picks at the linebacker position for the Bengals and made them into the strength of defense more or less last year. So I, I, I trust he knows how to coach football. Yeah, he's had a rough resume at the college level. As a head coach, sure. As, he was yeah, good at Temple. He was just bad at Miami. Yeah, as a head coach. Um I Donna, you you watch a lot of more Al Golden Al Golden football than I have. <laughs> um how influential do we think do we think Freeman will be in the defense? I uh, honestly I think from what I've read, you know, this is not me. I haven't been to the practices. Is that, you know, Freeman oversees the defense, but Freeman's trying to take a step back, be a CEO role. But basically, Golden did in Cincinnati. He, I mean, obviously, lot rosters are more limited. He rotated five linebackers through. He has guys he expects to cover, guys he mm-hmm. expects to plug the run. He knows how to play people to their roles. He's like, I don't think he's keeping JD Bertrand on the field, you know, third and eight from when Ohio State's at our 40-yard line and they got to pass the ball. I asked that because one of the main things you noticed about Freeman last year is, especially during, you know, the thick of the season, where we had depth, he used it. And we rotated a lot yeah. of guys in. So I think the depth mm-hmm. of our defense will be tested this year just because of the mindset of the coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It will be tested, but I think they'll be happy. They'll be happy to let as many guys see the field as they as they can. Yeah, I think they're comfortable with a lot of guys. If I saw Ramon Henderson in that safety slot last year or this year without seeing him last year, I'd be freaking out. But I'm like, okay, well, he got snaps last year, and we saw a little yeah. bit of improvement. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, paid against Virginia. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of dudes with talent. A lot of them have seen the field. It makes me excited. It's not like we're running out, you know, nine new starters on the defensive end. You know, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. And I think Al Golden, Al Washington, I think Freeman's assembled a good staff. We'll just have to see how, you know, they're great recruiters. Let's see how they coach. One last one last question for you guys before we move to OSU. What do we make of this whole pot return situation, this whole pot return situation uh, that we I had an All-American safety returning? returning I think for Ohio State, they're putting, out, Smithing out Jigba, they're putting Smithing Jigba and they're like, yeah. they're studs back there. Why yeah, the fuck like, we, Why the fuck have we been putting Matt Salerno? Like, if this is a game where if we Matt need Salerno a huge a starter, play, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on two if, <laughs> I know. If we need a big play, it could come from special teams. So why not have your best athlete on the defense back there, or like one of the best athletes on the team? Are you worried? You know, about it, it might work. I don't think you play him against Marshall. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that, but Slav, are you mostly are you mostly worried about injuries putting Joseph back there? I think there's a combo of two things. I think there's a part of me that's a little worried about injuries, but the other part of me is you know you put your best athletes back there, which I'm all for. But then is he your best athlete? He's really good at safety. Don't get me wrong, but when I think of like that that Lorenzo? position, I think of Lorenzo, or and I think of Tyree. But yeah, but like was Zibikowski your best athlete? No, he wasn't. Like, he won. He, he won the biggest. Yeah. Just be a damn good returner. 
Yeah, that like, dog. Just has some has that dog has some vision, um, and has some balls. Like Matt Sawyer, no, you got to give it to him. Like it's not easy being a punt returner. No, he hung in there too. He took he took some licks. I I will say yeah. that I do appreciate that. I think Brandon Joseph does bring a bit of dog to him. Yeah, and I he's just know a he's hooper. a really heady. He's a really heady player too. So sure. So um, it, maybe he's not your too. best athlete, but he could just be an innate returner. Which, if that's the case, give me because that could be so electric. Yeah, every yard's gonna count this weekend. Um, so speaking of, yeah. All right, the Ohio State Buckeyes. This matchup, I believe, was scheduled in 2014. I think I believe it was scheduled before the Fiesta Bowl when we played them. So we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Obviously, I think it's the biggest season opener. We've had, you know, the Texas games. They weren't top five matchups. They weren't the number one game of the week in college football. Maybe the 2016, but let's not talk about how either of those teams turned out. We're going to the shoe Saturday night. The entire college football world will be watching us. Might be the most watched regular season game of the year. Where does it start for Ohio State? Three Heisman candidates on offense. How the hell do we stop it? That's a that's a that's a bit of a loaded question there, Dave. Uh, I think you (laughs) you and I you and I spoke briefly about this the other day. and unfortunately, like we got a lot of studs on defense, but I don't know if they're studs, like you guys said, to to fit what Ohio State does. I think the strength we we already discussed the strength of our defense lies on the defensive line in the front seven, probably against some run heavy offenses. I think you're gonna need, need a little bit more speed and you'll see a little bit more three four, um, three down linemen and four backs, or even maybe a three three five, right? Think about having an extra, an extra corner, an extra safety in there. Um, I think we're going to have to rely on some of the inexperience on the back end, which is certainly a scary proposition. But um, at this point, at this point, I really trust Golden and Freeman to make the right personnel decisions, put guys in place, in place to make plays. So I am a little bit more optimistic, maybe, than I should be there. Um, but this is this is going to be a really tough, really, really tough. Uh, match up here for us. Yeah, um, and I was going to say earlier, um, when you're talking about Smith and Jigba, it's been the case for yeah. Ohio State for the longest time. Like, I don't think about like, oh, we got to stop Smith and Jigba because then you got Marvin Harrison Jr. and you got Ameka Gokbu. Like, they they are just a, a un, like they are just a wave. Like, like, you can't even break it down by players because they're all just so good. They're such a unit. Um, it's a bend don't break type of situation. I think you just gotta try to force turnovers. Like you gotta try to force turnovers when the field gets short because you're not gonna stop them. And you got and like I hate to say it, like you gotta play the clock game. Yeah. Oh, you, you clock manager is gonna be a paramount importance this week. Like limit every possession you can get because, like, usually it's gonna end in three or seven for them. Yeah, and. So what I'm going to say might be a little long-winded there or coming up here is Ohio State's going to get yards. In the games they lost last year and the games that, you know, that were close that they won, they still put up a stupid amount of yards. Against Michigan, Stroud had over 400 passing yards. They had, like, they outgained Oregon. They had over 500 yards of offense. They were marching the ball down the field. We're not going to be able to try to 
you know, sell out our entire game plan on stopping them and making them go three and out in their own territory. This is not going to work. They're going to move the ball up and down the field. There's a reason like all these advanced analytic systems, FPI, S&P, whatever has them rated as the best offense coming into the year. And, you know, what we have to do is let them get to the 20s. Let them go almost wherever they want inside the 20-yard lines. Keep their receivers in front. Don't let Travion Henderson break out a 75-yard run, the second play of the game. You know, if we go there, you know, they have a good kicker. But if you're holding that offense to three points, that is absolutely a win. And Ian, I agree with what you said about the red zone. Once you get them backed up in their receivers, those studs, those five stars, they can't space the field as much anymore. That's where you can gamble a little more. Because if Ohio State's already in the red zone and they score a touchdown, you know, who cares? Get the ball back and then you go. If you can sell out and get a turnover there, that changes the tide of the game. And in terms of schematically on the Notre Dame side, what gives me optimism, Al Golden, linebacker coach for the Bengals, Bengals had two wins over Patrick Mahomes' offenses last year. And in both of those games, the Bengals went down by two-plus scores. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, you know, it's not the same type of thing, but it's, you know, you have maybe the best quarterback in the league, college versus NFL, one of the fastest, you know, top five receivers, Tyreek Hill, Smith and Jigba. Then you have a bunch of other guys that, you know, Mahomes just knows how to get the ball to. And they were marching down the field, scoring every play, you know, five plays, touchdown. And it was over, and they were just dominating. Al Golden, when he had his opening press conference at Notre Dame, said the biggest thing to him was that he wants to be coaching on the sideline to make in-game adjustments. Because he saw that happen in the NFL. Do you know what happened in the second half of both Bengals-Chiefs games against those prolific offenses? No, they, we're not. This isn't a Bengals. They shut them down. This is not a Bengals. It's an Al Golden reference. Okay, he knows. So he's played against these types of offenses. He knows how to make in-game adjustments at a you know Ohio State's offense isn't that complex. He faces much more complex offense. Was able to adjust. Now I don't think that stopping them is going to be as easy as that. We don't have NFL players on our field. You know they have a really good offensive line as well. I wouldn't say it's great, but I'd say it's solid. And I, I think what Freeman said in his press conference is important. You have to stop the run, make them one-dimensional at the very least. Because if they, if they can do both, like they're going to put up 54 points. Yeah, right, I rant. think – I want to talk to you. I think, you're, I think the last thing you said is kind of important. We're going to have to be super physical up front. It's, uh, it's going to be paramount here. Like, like you said, the, the secondary is going to struggle because this quarterback's really, really, really good and the receivers are really, really good. If we can bully, if we can bully them up front a little bit, which I think Oregon and Michigan were able to do them last year, um, I think that would be really, really helpful. On the Oregon and Michigan piece, I heard a lot this week of if if Notre Dame were to win the football game, how would they do it? And a lot of them said, and a lot of people said, "Hey, let's look at this Michigan movement, right? Because Notre Dame and Michigan are built similarly, or excuse me, or look at the Oregon blueprint and show that hey, Oregon went up early, like the." The Oregon, the Oregon blueprint looks like this. Be more physical up front on both sides of the football, right, on, in the online scrimmage. Score early and make Ryan Day think about his decisions, right? Like it, that's, it's, that's kind of what it would have to be, right? Because Samson called it, quoted a bunch. I know other people quoted a bunch. Ryan Day went, oh, went for three times on fourth down. 
in the first three quarters and was over. Um, not because he wanted to, but because he had to, right? Because he felt like he had to in the game to keep that possession alive. So there's that blueprint. I have a thought. What if we don't use the Michigan and the Oregon games as the blueprint and use the game that we won against Clemson as a good blueprint? Where DJ still threw for 440 and two tutties, but we kept everything in front of us. And we strung the game out. We got scores when we needed to. Um, we got a few stops in some big spots. I, I don't, I'm really tired of hearing we got to play the same game Michigan played, played the same game Oregon played. We have this game in, the, in our bag. I've seen it before. You know, if, if I know the receivers are more prolific on this Ohio State team than the Clemson team, but. There, if you want a blueprint, that might be your blueprint, right? If you want to stop a high-powered offense, look look how you've handled this in the past. So, yeah, that, that's also a thought as well. Is you know, if you're really looking for a, a reason for optimism, there's somewhat of a script there that, that's been followed in the past. Different coordinators, that. different players, but no, I I love that thought. Um, that that's a, that's a really good point. Um, my biggest concern we have not touched on it yet is cj stroud was a freshman last year like we don't know what kind of jump he made or took a step back who knows but uh dj certainly did yeah dj took a massive soft step back, slot, so. <laughs> there's that but no i'm with you slev that's the blueprint for us um and and playing a game that we know how to play and i i think that Clemson defense was probably a better defense than this Ohio State defense. I think it is, oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Tom, you're bringing very good memories back to me about that yeah. Clemson game. I mean, yeah. obviously, that was awesome. I mean, we, we know that top to bottom, this Notre Dame roster does not match up with Ohio State's roster. It, it was the same thing for that Clemson game. You know, if you look at the number of five stars, high-level four stars, it, we're just a hair below. They have more dudes than we do. But what happened in the Clemson game? Our top-level dudes, even if it was a three-star that we signed at the end of the class, when they became the best players on our team, they made fucking plays. JOK took the ball out of ETN's hand and took it to the house. Ian Book stepped up on the final drive. You know, are we as talented? No. If our best players don't play their best, we're not going to have a shot. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm thinking back to the Clemson game too. Like Ian Book fumbled at the end zone. Oh God! Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer left like eight points out there. Um, uh. Yeah, sorry, but like <laughs> um, we don't, we don't, we can't afford that. Yeah, not, not. no. We we need to be very, very efficient, very, very efficient. Um, make our mistakes minimal and take advantage. Like we can't have. Missing Lorenzo Styles on a forty-yard post, like we did in the OK State game. Like we got to hit plays like that because I don't think the opportunities are going to come all, all that often. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing too, Samson touched on this in his article. If you get the tra- chance to read his mailbag, I thought he did a really good job addressing a lot of questions, um, including what the blueprint may look like for for Notre Dame to beat Ohio State this weekend. I'm not above saying that we're going to need to get a little lucky too, right? Like, it, oh yeah, we. I think he made a really good distinction here. This should register with you guys as well. Like the the play against J or the play against Clemson where JOK takes the ball away on the pitch. That's not a luck play. That's a preparation play. It looked lucky, right? That he, that he got through free. That's a preparation play. It's not a luck play. 
or that's not like a, you got to you got to break guy. Like you you earn that, right? Like JK earned that by watching film and by, by reading the play and, and making that play. Where we've been on, on the wrong side of some big calls and big games in 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 previous years. Like we were going to need some of those calls. Like we might need a pass interference, offensive pass interference in the end zone, right? Be nice. So it would be very very much show a redemption feeling for all of us from from Florida State. Florida State. I mean, we're going to need we're going to need we're probably going to need one of those too. So I'm not above saying it. I think there's definitely a path to winning this football game, but I wouldn't hate some luck in the Irish either here, you know. A missed miss hold or miss or miss PI like let's take what we can get here. What yeah. does so uh, you- Sorry, D, go ahead. Okay. No, no, um, no, you're right. What does a successful day for Tyler Buckner look like to you guys? Okay. Yeah, that was kind of the same topic I was going on. I was like, if you ask my Ohio State friends, they have the best offense in college football history. So I was, how, we, how do we keep up? You know, it starts with Buckner. I think no turnovers would be a great day for him because I think he's talented enough. If, he, if he's not turning the ball over, he's going to be moving the ball. He's too talented not to. But I think uh, we, we're looking for stats here. Anything between 60, 100 rushing yards, 250-ish throw in the ball, will that be enough? Who knows? It kind of depends how those drives end up working out. How much are we giving the ball to the running backs? Lindsey maybe bust a play on the jet sweep. Who knows? It, it kind of all depends on, you know, are we able to control the clock, move the ball down the field, limit their possessions? Because, you know, if Tyler Buckner comes out there and throws a pick in on, on our side of the field, you just gifted them three or seven points. That's something we can't afford yeah. to do. Yeah, to, answer to, to answer your question there, Ian, I agree completely with, with D. I think you, we could we could sit here and assign uh, a rushing range or passing range or a touchdowns range. A touchdown might be a little bit more helpful, but I think those are all futile stats. The most important thing here is that Buckner takes care of the rock. That's that mm-hmm. to me. That would be a successful day from him. If he throws, if he has three total touchdowns, or maybe one of his feet and two of his arms, or two of his feet and one of his arm, but doesn't turn the rock over, but he only throws like two hundred yards, I, I'm okay with that. Like, show me that you've taken a step forward and you're not going to make stupid freshman mistakes anymore. I think he's an athlete, and I believe in his athleticism as and his arm as a quarterback. Like, he can move the rock. It's just not turn it over. It's just not give them extra possessions. Possessions are so important this week. Uh, if you think you're going to win this football game. So I, I think that interceptions, fumbles are the biggest stat this week that, that you that I would pay attention to is Tyler Buckner. Yeah. So I think you guys both touched on it. My biggest fear is getting into a third and long and a clear passing situation. I, I am afraid of third and long. I think that's where Tommy Reese just really has to manage his game. It's like get us in second and manageable. Let us move from there. We're, we're we're talking we're talking how we avoid third and longs. Don't worry. Yeah, you know, I think, I think a lot of it. All I have to add is like I don't think we realize that this defense is going to be and the athletes on the field that he's going to see are going to be so much faster than he's ever seen before, other than in practice. Like live live action. The last time you saw live action was 2019, in like not even that high California ball. And seeing what I'm seeing from who Arch Manning is playing, there's some shitty high school football. It really is. That's bad. Yeah. On that same topic, how much do you think we should let him air it out? 
Like, do you want to open up the you, playbook you for him? To. I think you have it's, to. Open it up. If he's your quarterback, open he's your quarterback. I mean, he has arm talent. Like, well, he, yeah. he threw one of the, maybe the three best balls of the year down the sideline to Kevin Austin last year against, yeah. I believe, Virginia Tech. Well, we don't so know. He can air it out. It's just the decision-making. Yeah, we don't know how he can read a defense. That's a big question mark. Um, but if he's your I'm quarterback, okay he's your quarterback. Yeah, you got to ride with him. I think this is, you know, if Tyler Buckner looks good, it might honestly be more of a reflection of Tommy Reese than Tyler Buckner at this stage in Tyler's career. Sure. I don't think he's ready to go out by himself and win a game for you. I think it's Tommy Reese schemed a hell of a game for him. I think if you ask Buckner, he'd agree with you. Mm -hmm. If you ask people around the program, that would agree with you. I don't think he would take that personally. Um, I do I think, think establishing – yeah, yeah, okay. I just would say Sean McVay would agree with you as well. Yeah, I, he certainly would. Um, I think establishing the on offense here, like we said, we're okay with Bucker airing it out, but establishing the run could be big too. We're just talking about possessions. If we can have – easier said than done, but if we can have longer possessions where we're getting good chunks, we're getting four or five, six yards of carry, uh, that really opens things up. That makes Tyler's life a lot easier. So I, I really hope – I really think we're going to need – the most important thing I think for us in offense is we're going to need a huge day of the offensive line. A, to give Tyler, give Tyler time, and B, to move the rock a little bit on the ground um, and eat some clock. Um, I, don't want to, I don't want to say that we need to limit Ohio State to a certain number of possessions, but the less possessions they have, statistically, the better chance we're going to have to win this football game, right? So a uh, big day for the offensive line will be needed. Yep. I mean, there's no one on Ohio State's defense that particularly scares me. Denzel yeah. Burke, he was a freshman All-American at corner. Like, their secondary, like, they have athletes. I think Ronnie Hickman led the team in tackles last year. D-line, young but talented, going against our young but talented studs. I'll take ours in that battle, at least. And their linebackers, that's been the weakest part of their entire yeah, team for their the last, like, I do three, four years. That's where, that's where we can win. Yeah, their linebackers are not that good. Steel Chambers is a running back. <laughs> Liam Eikenberg is Liam Eikenberg has and is Tommy, he he's got an offensive up? light. Oh yeah, I don't. Know. Is he? Is Eikenberg banged up? Did I say I, Liam also? It's yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know he, he's a wannabe. He's a wannabe lineman that has to play yeah. linebacker. Um, no, I I'm with you. That their linebackers are gettable. I'm not going to say that, like they're just gettable, and you have to Gettable's pick weaknesses, and you try to you. You try to exploit whatever weakness you can. Um, our our O line is going to have to, you know, earn their stripes this weekend as well. Mm -hmm. Can't get hit in the backfield. No. Yeah. Getting behind the sticks. I think this is kind of what you touched on earlier. Even with the third long, just one Notre Dame gets behind the sticks. That's where we have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. No. <laughs> Such a crapshoot. We just we also don't have the athletes to like consistently convert third longs. Yeah, third and seven, just throw it to wherever the hell Michael Mayer is on the field. Yeah. When you get to the 12 15, it's a little tougher. All right. Um, all right. Do you Should we save give... predictions? Yeah. yeah. At the end? Yeah. Yeah. You are... Or now? Yes. Yeah. Well, do you want to? I think what do we have left to do? We have our like season prediction. We have to go game by game, but I just want to hear what your record prediction is. And then we got our week one picks. All right. Anyone want to go first for the season? 
I think we're eleven and one. Yeah, I, I think we're eleven and one. Um, I think that's very optimistic. But we're a damn good team, and like if you if you go game by game, Clemson is a winnable game. Like USC, I have no idea what to expect from USC. No idea what to expect from USC. Um, and BYU, like I don't know. I don't know. I'm choosing to be optimistic. Uh, I like the way our schedule's mapped out. We should absolutely go undefeated at home. I'm including Clemson in that if we get that place rocking. Um, I don't believe in DJ. I don't believe in their defense after they lost Venables because that guy's kind of a magician. Um, so I'm being optimistic 11-1. and one. And I don't know where that loss is coming, I'll say. I will go... 10 and 2. I think we drop one of the big three of Ohio State, Clemson, USC. And then the other loss, I think it comes from a team just not being quite as locked in. There's one thing Brian Kelly was very good at by the end of his career was being locked in, not dropping a dumb game like on the road where everyone's not fired up like after a big game. And I think we drop one out of the group of this next three away from Notre Dame Stadium where it's Carolina, Syracuse, BYU, and it will be embarrassing because it's something we have not seen in five years. 10-2, New Year's Six game. Nonetheless, with those wins, we're New Year's Six. Yeah, I got us for I got us for 11-1 because I'm going to choose to be optimistic. I think, um, I think probably 10-2. Um, to me, knock on wood, 10-2 is at the floor, I think. Um, I don't think I don't really see us going much lower than this. I will say that I'm going to say 11 and one, and our loss either comes in the shoe or at home against Clemson. I really hope it's. I really hope we win both of those games. I think we're going to pick up a loss somewhere. Uh, I'll say this right now with my chest. I do not, and this is not just me being a USC hater and a Notre Dame fan. I do not believe in USC. I still think that they're a year away. Uh, Jordan Addison, I don't think is everything he's cracked up to be. I don't think he'll be the leading receiver on that football team. Caleb Williams is phenomenal, Heisman candidate, but they're really thin on the offensive line, uh, and they're really not deep in experience on defense. I think that USC is going to struggle a little bit, and I think we got one more year of pure dominance over USC before we have to worry about this being a really, really big football game again. Um, I could be wrong. I'll say that with my chest now, and I'll, I'll live and die by that come Thanksgiving weekend, but I just I don't see it with this USC team as like everybody else does. Yeah. So I'm going to say 11-1 takes- with either Ohio State or Clemson as the uh, Yeah. Just quickly on USC, I think it just takes a while to change a program's culture. Totally, you know, it takes more totally. than one year. It took Notre what Dame two years, and that, they have a ton of transfers that weren't there before. Yeah, but they but they brought transfers that were in his program. Fair. Like, yeah, so that's, that, that's like, fair. It does take a little while to like merge programs. <sighs> But I think it'll be a little bit of an accelerated process because he brought damn well half that program with him. Yeah. But I'm still I'm I still don't believe him that was a complete team. Like Clay Helton left them in shambles. Big shambles. Helton also looks awful, dude. I don't know if you saw it. Post a selfie. Helton does. Where is he now? Is he George Southern? Georgia State. No. Oh, you would know if he's at Georgia State. I don't know. Yeah. I lost my, my shirt. Got like torn up in the wash, so I can't wear it anymore. Oh. So I'm not gonna be riding with That's the Panthers this year. I might have to buy a new one. You hate to see that. Maybe they have a home one. Home one thing. Uh, all right. You want to do some? You want to pick some games here? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So did we did, did recap we last year? Did we do anything last year? I don't think we really did this last um, year. No, this is a new segment here. Um, but I think I did it, great I, last year. <laughs> just as a recap, Dono went 38-32-1 with a locks record of 6-5. and five. Ian was 31-39-1 with, with, with a locks record of 5-6. and six. And I was a perfect 535, 35 and one with a six and five locks record. Um, so D, you're on the you'll you have the honors on the T box here. I'm going to tell you what games we're going to be picking. Um, and there's two I do want to call out outside of that, but we'll have Notre Dame and Ohio State, obviously. West Virginia at Pitt Thursday night, um, backyard brawl back in back in action, which I'm really excited about. Oregon and Georgia from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Is that the Superdome in Atlanta, Atlanta, whatever it's called? Uh, from Atlanta, though. Um, Cincinnati travels to Fayetteville to play Arkansas, which I think is a really, really intriguing game here. And then Utah goes down to Gainesville to play Florida. Um, so those would be the five games you're going to pick. We'll obviously have a lot of the week. The other games I want to put on people's radar, which are, are very interesting and somewhat pertinent to Notre Dame, uh, you have – Pitt, uh, I'm sorry, Purdue and Penn State on Thursday night. You have Florida State and LSU on Sunday night. Um, and then there's another really interesting one, really intriguing one at noon on Saturday. You have North Carolina and App State. Um, and App State was at one point the favorite in that game, has now shifted. But, um, so other games worth putting on the schedule. But D, like I said, you have the you have the honor of the tee box here. Why don't you tell me what you think? Notre Dame at Ohio State, seven thirty Saturday. This point shred is now back down to seventeen. Seventeen. We don't have the hook anymore. We don't have the hook. Doesn't anymore. matter. Doesn't matter. That's not my prediction. It, it will. It won't change anything. I guess. Don't want to give any way anything away for the listeners yet. Look, I mean, this is a tough game. It's the toughest season opener that, probably, I mean, by far any team in the country has in terms of at least being on somewhat the same playing field. I think Ohio State's a little better than Georgia. Um, look, I, I think, you know, we've expounded our thoughts plenty in the last 20, 30 so minutes. This is a hard-ass game for Notre Dame. Ohio State is going to score points. And, you know, realistically, I see Buckner turning the ball over at least once. I see Ohio State. I don't think they're going to put up 50, 60 points like some people think they do. I don't think they'll throttle us. But I do think this they will win this game. And, you know, I would love to pick Notre Dame. Once again, I was the guy who did not pick Clemson in 2020, and look how that turned out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the optimist. Turned out great for all of us. But ultimately, I think I think I think we keep it close the whole way. I think it's 35-28 heading into the fourth quarter. We have a possession. It doesn't go well. They get the ball back, score, and basically put the ball the game away 42-28 around that score. I, I think the initial line where this opened was just about accurate, that 13.514. I think 17's just a hair too much. So Ohio State 42, Notre Dame 28, Notre Dame covers. Call me a coward if you would like. No, I will not call you a coward. Um, <laughs> I think this is a really, really tough game to win. And there are a lot of versions of success from this game that don't involve leaving with a win. Um, I hope Marcus Freeman does not feel that way, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, there are no moral victories, but there are things that aren't the end of the world. And the losing by less than 10 is not the end of the world. 
Um, you keep yourself in with that. That being said, um, I don't really want to draft out a game script. Um, I don't think they'll score as much as people think they'll score because um, you have seven months to prepare for them, and that's the recipe to lose the game is letting them just put up a bunch of points. But uh, I do think they put up 37. I do think we fight back and we get to 28. 37-28. I was on mute. Uh, Ian, I'm going to price is right you. And uh, so I was actually literally just sitting on 38-28. Um, I think it's a two-score game. Um, I don't think we get to the full 17. I think that's a bit much. Um, I think people people are really going to start to put some respect on their name's defense's name. Even if they give up 38, I think they're going to cause some havoc um, and show that they can kind of hang, hang with a really good offense. Um, but like you guys said, there are other paths to finding success here this weekend. And um, if we're going to be, if we're going to be, trust me, I, I will go in there screaming my head off on Saturday to tell everybody in that state to keep the freaking points. I don't care. Um, but right now it is Tuesday evening. And at this point, I'm still thinking with my head. And my head says 38 28 Ohio State, um, which means Notre Dame still cover, but Ohio State will win. I will also be placing a money line bet. Yes. I think yeah, I mean, <laughs> is betting yeah, legal in Ohio? Yep, I don't. As of like very oh, recently, as of like recently. Cool. Although cool. I probably still should place it tonight. Just yeah. In case. Note note to everybody: even if it's legal in Ohio, Ohio might be one of those weird states where you can't bet on in-state teams. Like in New Jersey, you can't bet on Rutgers uh, or Seton Hall or anything yeah, like that. You can't bet. So, in Illinois. right, you can't stuff. bet in question. So. Think ahead. If you were planning on gambling on this football game, you may not be able to when you get to Columbus on Saturday uh, or in Columbus Friday, depending on when you get there. Um, so if you do plan on traveling to Columbus, plan on gambling this game, do it early. Um, we'll move on now. Uh, so the next game, like I said, is 7 p.m. on Thursday night, which is really exciting. I love this Thursday night slot, the yep. week one. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Last week, we got, last year we got treated to North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Um, which was which was a fun game, but this one's West Virginia at Pitt. Um, Pitt's favored by seven and a half. Um, this is in what used to be the Big Catcher Bottle um, as a matchup between two former USC quarterbacks, Keaton Slovis, who started for Pitt, and JT Daniels, will be starting for the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, D, who are you like in this game? You got a hook. Here. I mean, hook here, by the way. Yeah, I know the seven and a half is tough. I mean, West Virginia was really bad last year, and I don't think a lot of people remember that. I like, you know, I hate Narduzzi. Their OC is still there, correct? The guy from last year. That's how they no, got Slovis, right? Oh, my just it, blows me. Is it, was it not Whipple? Oh, that was totally Whipple. But yeah, either way, my choice is made. The bet is down in my mind. I'm going to take the Panthers. I think Slovis is pretty good. I think he kind of got. Screwed over a little bit at USC. Yeah. So I'll take the Panthers. Yeah. I've heard some some really good things about Slovis. I'm going to go with the Panthers as well. Like, they just – I think a home game is is a good start way to start the season for them. And West Virginia has just had holes as a program um, in ways Pitt hasn't recently. So I'm going to take the more trusted program as of late. Yep. I'm rocking with Pitt. Um uh, I think that ha- having this game at home is important. 
uh, for Pitt. I think it'd be a tougher trip down in Morgantown. Um, like you guys said, I just trust JT Daniels bounced around a little bit. I think he looked pretty good um, last year for what he was playing. Obviously, you know, that didn't continue, but um, I think I just trust Slovis a little bit more. I think Garduzzi stick commits to, to running the rock a little bit too. This could be a low scoring rock fight, but I think it ultimately ends up being hit by pit by 10 to 14. Um, so I'll take the pit Panthers. Next one, really intriguing. This one is actually does not overlap with our game. I think this is either three 30 or noon. I think it's three 30. We had Oregon versus Georgia from Atlanta, technically a neutral site game, but obviously the dog faithful travel well. Um, the, set, the spread on this game is 17 straight up, just like our game, with Georgia being the favorite. Uh, who do you guys like in this game? I, I think, I, I mean, this is a neutral site game that is not at all neutral. This is in Atlanta. Yeah. I, I like that. That's just garbage that they listed as neutral. But after twice, yeah. Georgia lost a lot from their defense. I don't particularly think it's going to matter too much against Oregon and their offense. I just, I, I think Oregon, I really like what they're doing on their crystal ball. Obviously, if they get Dante Moore in 23, it'll help. But I, I just don't think Oregon has the horses yet. They're too young. You know, they lost Thibodeau's best player on their team, Travis Dye, the running back. I, I, I think the dogs roll. I think oh. it's kind of one of those things where I think it was the Georgia Florida game last year where it was close in the first half. Then, like, Georgia's yeah. defense just scored, like, 21 points in a row. I, yeah. I see that as, like, a similar type game where it's maybe closer a bit than Georgia just pours it on and shows everyone that are returning national champs. I want to hop on Oregon so bad. Um, there's just no reason to. There's no reason to. Um, Georgia is <laughs> extremely talented. That's why they won the Natty last year. Um, Stetson Bennett is nothing more than above average college quarterback, but he's kind of got some swagger and I'm sure he's had a pretty damn good summer. Um, and it's going to come into this with some pretty good confidence. It's also, yeah, it's not a home game. It's not a home game. Oregon, yeah, it's not a home game. There is not a neutral game. It's not a neutral site game. So I'm going Georgia. Um, all right. Um, this is where we'll differ, differ for the first time. Um, I think I've kind of found a way to, that Oregon get this done. Um, I don't think they win the football game by any means, but I certainly think they keep it within the 17. Um, they played really well on the road um, in an actual true road game against Ohio State last year. Um, obviously missing some key pieces, like you guys said, Don. I think it's really important to take a look at the fact that you're missing Travis Dye, who's really, really good, and Kayvon Thibodeau on the defensive side of the ball. But you do get Bo Nix, um, and this might be – Is that, is that a good thing? I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. I'm going to, I'm going to say week one is a good thing. Uh, I will also say that on the line, from the line of scrimmage standpoint, or like Georgia did lose a lot up front. Oregon maintained some consistency up front. I think they have a chance to really pound the rock, um, slow this game down a little bit. I still think Georgia wins, but yeah, if they can win by two touchdowns, it could still look ugly, but I think Oregon still stays inside the number. So I'll go with the Ducks. What I will say uh, is. Georgia's seen Bo Nix a couple times now. He, they have. They have. It's not like there's anything new. Um, uh, wanna, Bo Nix has uh, seen Georgia now. Um, <laughs> Bo Nix has seen Georgia. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All 
that's how we start our merch sales. Um, the next game is Cincinnati at Arkansas. Um, this one we played, like I said, from Fayetteville. Uh, Arkansas is six-point favorites. Um, I was expecting them to be a little bit bigger favorites, just given everything that Cincinnati lost. But I, I do have a lot of respect for Luke Fickle as a football coach. So I, I, think, I know they'll come prepared to Fayetteville. Um, but who do you guys got? Cincinnati at Arkansas. I love Sam Pittman. That dude's a glass eater. I just kind of love Luke Fickle more. I hate Cincinnati. That's like my least favorite school. It's like Ohio State, Cincinnati are one and two. I just think Luke Fickle, if I'm putting my money on the line, like I think Luke Fickle's a better coach than Sam Pittman. I think if it wasn't Freeman, it was Fickle from, in my mind. So I don't know. I haven't taken a dog yet. I'm due to put a dog on the board. I'll take the cats against my heart. Yeah. No real football yeah. logic there. This one, this was far and away the toughest one for me to pick this week. Um, yeah, this was this was not easy. What is it? It's six and a half. It's six. It's six. See, I kind of love that. Um, I believe in Arkansas. I think I think I believe in Sam Pittman. I think they've been steadily progressing, and at some point, I think the bubble bursts for Cincinnati. Um, they've been really, really hitting on some talent development, but bottom line is, I don't, don't want to sound stupid because they've done this for so long, but like the, just the levels of athletes will be different a little bit in Fayetteville. That's going to be a rocking atmosphere. I'm going Arkansas. I think, I think Cincinnati is just going to be struggling to hang on the whole game and then you just will let it slip. Um, I too will be joining you on Arkansas. Um, they're returning a lot in their backfield. I'm a big Raheem Sanders fan. Um, I, I think he's he's really good. I like KJ Jefferson. I think he can I think he can spin the rock a little bit. We'll see what they have on the outside. But most of all, I love Sam Pittman. Um, I, one of my favorite coaches in, in in college football. Even if Fickles might be the better overall coach, I still think that Pittman. Place a huge emphasis in defend, on defending home turf, and I think they do that um, in this game here. I think it's a touchdown game, ten point game, like some of the other ones on the board. I think it'll be a really good football game. I hope you get the chance to watch it a little bit, but uh, I'm still going with the Razorbacks laying six. Um, next game, this is the one that I found actually the hardest this week um, because I just think it's a bit confusing. But Utah travels to Gainesville. This game is. Uh, lines up with ours from the TV slot standpoint. Uh, I think this one's at 7 or 7.30. Um, but Florida is three-point home dogs to a Utah team traveling across two time zones in the middle of August. Um, so that one's – it's an interesting storyline there for sure. But who do you guys got here Utah at Florida? I have Urban Meyer's revenge. Urban Meyer left Utah for Florida. <laughs> Their fans are pissed. The Utes get it back. I just don't think Florida's ready, especially at the quarterback position. It's a guy, AR-15. I know he doesn't want to be called that. Anthony Richardson. He, he was solid, but, like, I don't know. You just know that Utah is going to have some badass Polynesian dudes on defense that are going to get after it. And I don't think Florida's quite ready for that physicality. Yeah. Dude, I I struggle with this one as well. Um, it's hard not to have some some 
you know, what we've seen, what was the last thing we saw? What the last thing we saw was an electric Utah team. Um, but they also got dogged by a pretty under – who do they have? What, what am I trying to say? Ohio State team that didn't have other guys. That being said, Utah had running back at DB. Um, get away from myself here because I have no idea who the hell to pick. I, I'm going. I'm going the Utes. I'm going the Utes. I I don't know. It's a it's a bad pick. It's an absolute sucker pick, D, that we just fell into. And Slev hates it. I know Slev hates the pick. So I um, said he was confused I, I, about the line. I love the pick actually, uh, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Florida. Um, I promised myself that I'd be a little bit better this year about not taking the cheese. Um, although I love cheese and I take cheese all the time. I fall right into the traps all the time. This is this this stinks, dude. Uh, I love Cam Rising. I actually have a future on Utah to win win the West and to win the Pac or sorry, to win the Pac twelve South and to win the Pac twelve. Um, I think they're the best team in that conference. But traveling across the country to play in nearly 100% humidity at night in Gainesville, biggest game that Florida's probably hosted in a while where they think they have a shot to win. Um, I actually <laughs> do think Anthony Richardson's pretty good. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I just I think the, I think the Florida's going to get this one. going to at least keep it within the number. Should be a really good football game. This one might have the DVR and, and watch on watching the plane ride home on Sunday. Um, but I, I think also the money is coming in crazy on Utah. Worth noting yeah. for anybody who pays attention to that stuff. Like I hate that. I hate that. There's, yeah. I think it, I was just checking Action Network earlier. It was something like 93 or 94% of the money was on Utah. So for that reason, it stinks a little bit too much to me. I found my reasons to take the Gators. I will rock with the Gators. Uh, but I will say uh, from here on out, after Saturday, we are all Utes all the time. Um, all right, fellas, you guys got a right. lock for me? Breaking news. I've been yes. in contact with my contacts in Ohio. I know many people there, many good people. But they just won't be good people on Saturday. <laughs> Gambling is has been legalized by the House and Senate in Ohio. It does not take effect until December 31st. So place your bets before you make your way to Columbus. Oh my gosh. I know the pressure's on now. I gotta do every, I gotta do everything tonight. My flight's at like 8 a.m. tomorrow. Let's get in healthy. Um, all right. All right. Somebody give me a lock. I, I've been scrolling the board looking for one. It's just like it's so hard when you don't know anything yet. But yeah. what I know is that Mike Leach is the head coach at Mississippi State, and he likes to put up a no lot way, of points. Dude. How are you picking that from the whole board? <laughs> because I, it's a good pick. Damn it. I'm, it's Mike Leach, Mississippi State. They're playing Memphis, who's a solid team. Mike Leach doesn't know how to coach defense. He knows how to put up points. I'm taking the over. It's sitting at 57 right now. That seems low. Who are they playing? I'm taking the over. Memphis. And it's at Memphis. Over 57. No, it's it, it is. In st- Were you taking the over, Ian? Oh, I guess you didn't. I'm going to take Mississippi State to cover. All right. That's so, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is a – I think I've heard a lot of really good things about Mississippi State. Um I know they have a pretty tough schedule, so they got to win the one they can't. They got to win the ones they can. Um, this is one that they absolutely can and they absolutely should. Um, I think they got a pretty good squad, and Mike Leach go crazy on them. Memphis, we have who knows? Do Slav, do you have any, any idea how good Memphis is? No, no, it's Julia. Not, not a, not it's Julia White's either. brother still there? He was like an no, eighth-year senior. I don't. Last year. I don't think He's so anymore. 
He's moved yeah, on. So um, I'm also going to Tuscaloosa October 23rd for Mississippi oh, State wow. at Bama. So I'm wow, hoping Mississippi man. State is pretty solid heading into that game. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Mississippi State to roll. All righty, I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, like you guys said, they they put up points in bunches um, over there at, with Camp Leach. So I like that pick a lot. Um, like both of them, Diary like that over. It's a, a good total. Is a, a pretty good play. Um, get get Mississippi State while the iron's hot because eventually their over totals are just gonna go too high. Um, with that said, there is one. D, you mentioned something which I think is really important to remind everybody, remind myself, remind our listeners. We don't know what we don't know about these football teams. We can guess, we can listen, we can read message boards, we can listen to camp reports, we can listen to all this stuff. We don't know what we don't know about the teams that haven't played. I, for one, will be going with a team that I already watched play last week. I will take Illinois at Indiana in Bloomington. Oh. Illinois plus the three. I yeah. think Illinois is, lo- is live. Uh, we get the flying Italian, Tommy DeVito. Shout out to Fico. Uh, we got Tommy DeVito, and I really like their running back, actually. I thought he played really, really well last week. He had three or four scores. Um, I like Bert, right, Bert Bielema. Who is it? Bert Bielema, right? Brett Bielema. Brett yeah. Bielema. I like the offensive line. I think they, their offensive line played really well last week. I think they're going to be re- oh, just a lot bigger and stronger than this Indiana team. Um, I think that – I just think the Vegas has this one wrong, dude. I think this Indiana team still stinks, even if the game's in Bloomington. So I think I think Illinois is live and is live on the money line, but I'll definitely I'll I'll, uh, I'll take the three points with them as well. So I got the Illini on Friday night. I, I think it's a great pick. I, I that's definitely a sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was considering that one as well. All right, fellas, we're back. Scott Frost so of the back. week. College. Oh, Scott Frost of the week. Scott Frost, oh, 80 the week. Everybody fire our new segment. So I, I just have a little our bit new. of a PSA here. Um, Scott Frost, 80 of the week, will be replacing Bishop Sycamore, fraud of the week. Um, it's a little bit of a more topical segment. Uh, Bishop Sycamore, we're now a year removed, although there is a doc coming out, which I'll absolutely be watching because it is still one of the most fascinating stories of the last I year. Certainly be watching um, that. We thought about renaming this um, St. X, fraud of the week. But we actually went towards the Scott Frost. Come on. Did you you spoil my idiot of the week? Oh, shit. Oh, did you spoil my idiot of the week? Oh, no. Okay, I'll go. Mine's the Austin P quarterback who who threw a pick six and then stumbled his way into our hearts when he fell over. Did you guys see this guy? I did. It was. was, Oh, yes. He's somewhat like, majestic. What is this guy doing? What is this guy doing with his Tom and Jerry ass fall? Yeah, bro. He, yeah. <laughs> he cartoon fell for like fifteen yards. <laughs> it wasn't even close that to was, making the play. That uh, was. So I'm great. going that there. Tom, do you got yours? Please. No, no, no. All right, you want please. you want to change? Um, please, Scott. My Scott Frost idiot of the week is special teams coordinator Scott Frost. Uh, I'm going to give the award to him because that onside kick cost, I think, a lot of us a hair bit of money. And that was just the most asinine thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I know people are like saying, oh, Red, you know, it's it's hindsight's 2020. You know, retrospectively, you could always say that you should have made a decision. No, you've got two or three straight stops. You just went up 11 points. You have Ryan Holinsky playing quarterback for Northwestern. 
why are you giving him a 35-yard field? That was mind-boggling. Scott Frost deserves to be fired yesterday. But he is my Scott Frost, idiot of the week, Scott Frost. Go ahead, D. Mine is head coach uh, Steve Specht. For those of you who don't know, the St. Xavier wow. Bombers played on um, the big one on uh, ESPN Family <laughs> Networks, the flagship ESPN, noon, Sunday. People are finally winding down their end of the summer. You know, you're sitting on the couch. What's on ESPN? Oh, it's football. One of the most storied programs in the state of Ohio, the St. Xavier Bombers, against the Loyola team that doesn't put out nearly as much D1 talent historically. This team was probably more talented. Even then, you expect the Bombers to put on a better show on ESPN. Last time they got embarrassed like this on ESPN was on uh, Chris Rainey, the guy who used to play at Florida, returned to kick or two kicks against them and say next lost. But, you know, it's a real shame. I believe the final score is about 44-20, but it wasn't that close. It was just an absolute, an absolute embarrassment. I turned the game off after like three drives because I really don't care that much anymore. But uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't fun to see. Cincy high school football needs to have some pride. There's uh that was tough to watch, D. Um mm-hmm. that was an absolute drubbing. Can we talk about one more game? Sure. because um, I love like a ball. Florida State LSU. Thoughts. Mm. I was considering taking Florida State as my lock because fuck Brian Kelly. They covered okay. three against him last year. They did. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Knowles. I'm a Knowles fan for the first time in my life. Yeah, I'm really. I, I'm just really interested to see what LSU comes out with. I think uh, a lot of people are. I think there's a lot does, of question marks. Does Boutte go off? I, I mean, I'm really interested to see what they come out with. But uh, wouldn't love. I mean, it, wouldn't it be nice if Mike Norvell got his shit together and actually won a football game? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not the most? Hey, Jordan Travis knows how to cook his ass. Hmm. Yeah. I Jordan Travis is good, dude. Jordan Travis is good. Um, yeah. All right, fellas. I think that wraps us up. Uh, I think I see you both Friday afternoon. That is correct. I can't freak you. We'll away. be driving up together. Let's bring the noise. Yep. Yes, sir, fellas. Yeah. Let's do it. Find, find us on High Street. Find us, in, find us on High Street. At, uh, yeah, on, it's our game day plan. Just run up and down every bar there until once after we get kicked out of each progressive one. Yeah, until yeah, until they until they stop serving you. Sounds good. All, All right, right, fellas. Hey, boys, go, go Irish. Go Irish.